But you act as if going to bed with you is like a great favor. Well, well, it kind of is. (laughs) Congratulations. You are listening to the Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour with Brian Bieber. Awkward subjects comfortably discussed. Yes, you heard correctly. This is indeed the Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour, and I am indeed your host, Brian Bieber. This is uh, the very first show of the series, which is a little intimidating to me, and I'm not entirely sure um, what to say up top, except to um, tell you a little bit about what the show, what I think the show will be. Well, I don't, you know, and I don't know what it's going to be like down the line, but what I can do is I can tell you what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen in this show. And, uh, you know, if you like it, uh, great. If you don't, that's fine. That's, I mean, that's, that's your, you don't have to. It's not, it's probably not going to be for everybody. So if you don't like it, I would just ask that you not get it, you know, just don't get upset about it. And, uh, and don't try to, don't, you know, don't, uh, and just, just be comfortable with the fact that you don't like it. It doesn't mean that you have to tear it down in front of other people who do like it. Other people enjoying something that you don't doesn't invalidate your feelings. So, that's all I ask. Welcome to the show. In this episode, uh, we're going to hear from my friend Kyle about what it's like going to art school. And I'm going to make fun of him for it a little bit because I'm kind of a jerk. Um, we're also going to hear from Dessa of the Minneapolis rap crew Doomtree. She's going to talk a little bit about running a record label. Um, I think you'll be surprised to hear how many conference calls rappers are involved in. We're also going to hear from my ex-girlfriend, Jess. And uh, Jess and I are going to talk a little bit about how I could have been a better boyfriend when we were dating. So that will be really comfortable for everybody, I'm sure. It's the Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour. Stay tuned. My good friend Kyle Muchkanaus is an immensely talented graphic artist who is currently attending a graduate program at the Cranbrook Academy of Art, which is located just outside of Detroit. If you've heard of the Cranbrook Academy, it's probably because of the campaign spearheaded by the famous rapper Eminem. Um, A few years ago, he started the campaign to call attention to the school and its various uh, arts programs. Uh, Here's a clip from a promotional video from 2002 called 8 Mile, made by Eminem about Cranbrook. Fuck the free world! Never try to judge me, dude. You don't know what the fuck I've been through. But I know something about you. You went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. What's the matter, dog? You in Paris? This guy's a gangster? His real name's Clarence. And Clarence lives at home with both parents. And Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. I asked Kyle to come on the show and talk a little bit about what life is like at Cranbrook and how many rap battles he's won since he's been there. As it turns out, Kyle has won zero rap battles. Well, I think Cranbrook is most famous um, for 8 Mile. <laughs> for being mentioned in 8 Mile. Yeah, well, because Papa Doc um, was, is an <laughs> alumnus of, of the Cranbrook Academy. <laughs> yeah. As pointed out by, um, by B. Rabbit. Yeah, by rabbit. Which was pretty much, I feel like, kind of the knockout <laughs> blow in yeah. in their bit in their big uh, yeah, that's the, tough. the final battle. You know, Cranbrook. Uh, aside from an art academy on the campus, there's also like a boys' school and a girls' school and a science institute. And Is that so like I'm a assuming? High, yeah, like that's a, a high school. Yeah, yeah that's, that's their phrase for high school and middle school and elementary school. But okay, I think lower. that's where Papa Doc went. Yeah, to the yeah. to that part of it. He, yeah. yeah, he was in high school because I, he wasn't he wasn't going to art school. Right. Okay. Okay. I think he was producing mostly. I don't know what. I don't know. What. <laughs> yeah. I know his real name. Here's what I know: his real name was Clarence, and that and he came from a real nice home. That was part of the couplet. Okay, so that's what the knockout blow was. I think so. Yeah, he came from, and he went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Out. So he's not legit. And enough. yeah, and he. 
he has two parents, then he comes from a real nice home. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Okay. I will say there are some weird rumors I've heard about it. I heard Robin Williams is a Cranbrook alum. I heard, and I don't know if these are true or not, I heard um, Steve-O from Jackass. Really? I don't know. You should fact check that before this podcast comes out. We, it's probably not true. But also, perhaps most interesting, is Lisa Frank. Now, Lisa Frank is the one that would do those like polar bear drawings over a rainbow. They'd be like on Trapper Keepers. Like, super mm. psychedelic colors. If you saw one, okay. Google it later. And also okay. fact check that, because I think it was... Lisa crazy. Frank, Steve-O, Robin Williams. And uh, Papa Doc. Um, and you might want... I, that might, I might be 0 for 4, an actual Cranbrook alum. Maybe... Not Papa Doc. He's, okay. he's for real. Okay. If, if he was a real person, he would have gone there. <laughs> okay. I got it. I got it. Um... What is Cranbrook like? like okay. because, what is yeah. art school like? Because I've, I've got some, I've got some ideas. Yeah. But I'd like to hear your ideas first. Okay. Well, uh, I'll tell art you school. If my ideas are right. Sure. Cranbrook is a little bit different. We don't have classes or grades. And when you read about it, you know, on the CranbrookArt.edu website, like it, it really says <laughs> we don't believe in grades or teachers or classes and it sounds kind of phony and really you know pretty liberal and stuff but uh it does work out really well it's based all around studio practice and once you get over like the quote marks and the italicized <laughs> grades it, yeah it does work and the, and you pay to go here though <laughs> yeah, you pay to go. i do pay to go <laughs> yeah i pay to go to a school where our only commitment is like twice a week <laughs> okay tell us tell me about that Okay. Tell me about the tell me about like the actual work that you do and how how it works there. Sure. Typically, I'll wake up. Um, let's just say Monday. Okay, on Monday I'll wake up at like ten o'clock a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I wake up at ten o'clock a.m. Uh, I'll take a shower. I still shower every day. Okay. Kind of pride myself on that. Uh, I'll walk, you know, a hundred yards to my studio. I'll go downstairs. I'll spend maybe. I don't know. I'll be in there until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. But, you know, in between there, maybe I'll go to the kitchen area and eat something. I might take a nap. But I'm pretty much always kind of in there working on something. It's not saying I'm not also watching Netflix or okay. Hulu. Or but you're spending podcast. your day in the studio from, like, 11 o'clock until yeah, really yeah, that late. That's typical. Um, yeah, that's typical. I want to try and fix that. I want to try and get out more. And I think I have been. Sometimes there'll be lectures in the science center, which is like a walk away. And that's, uh, that'll maybe be at six o'clock. And maybe also you're walking to other people's studios and talking. Okay. And then on other days, you'll have to put up a piece or you'll create a piece. Okay. So what the curriculum is based around. If there are no teachers in quotation marks, who's yeah. running this thing? Uh, we have an artist in residence. Okay. Our artist in residence for the 2D department is a guy named Elliot Earls, and he does performance and graphics and um, a variety of different media, some sculpture and stuff, some 3D stuff. That's, I think that's the big question. What do we do at art school? What do we do at art school? We have um, an area on campus called the lounge. And that's okay. where we go to uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights sometimes to uh, dance and drink do and you... have a good time. It's a bar. It's a bar in, uh, it... underneath the 2D building. Okay. As, and it's like a... So it's a business. Uh, or is it... It's not really a business, but I think it is technically a bar. It has a bar and everything. And the campus used to furnish it with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, no joke. They furnished it with alcohol, and I don't think they did it anymore because it became public, and it's it's weird to have a fee on your bill that says for alcohol. 
<laughs> so I don't think that happens anymore. Um, also, at the beginning of the semester, the very first lounge we had, somebody got carted away in an ambulance. <laughs> so I think since <laughs> then... This, this whole operation sounds very shady. It is shady, Should and we... I'm paying to go there. I don't know. This is... So there's no grades, no teachers, no janitors, really. There are janitors. There's a lovely team of Cranbrook people, and they mop the floors of the dorms. And uh, bro, but they're I there. Th- I'm not gonna. But I, I, th- I heard, um, when I was doing my pre-interview research, <laughs> which this is this is the extent of it. I heard that you get assigned to clean the bathrooms, like students are assigned to clean the bathrooms and things. Okay, yeah, uh, on Mondays. We have uh, Mondays at two o'clock. Gotcha, Kyle. Gotcha. <laughs> Busted. I did. I didn't mention this, and when I gave you the rundown of my day, on Mondays uh, there's a group of. Uh, and you did say Monday group. before. I did say Monday. So I feel like I'm catching you. Well, this is funny because I always forget, and so they'll always clean, and they'll come back, and they'll be, "Where were you?" Oh. I don't know. So everyone has to clean on Mondays. On Mondays, you like go up to. <laughs> oh man, there's a there's a chore wheel. <laughs> that'll have that'll have your group it's in a yeah it's in a wheel shape and uh you adjust it every time and it'll say like downstairs kitchen upstairs crit room <laughs> break room area and then we have to clean that okay and that's like wiping down surfaces. <laughs> I, I gotta say this is making my my creative writing degree feel very legit <laughs> factor is uh we have reviews so okay. i guess this is a little schooly okay yeah there's a i can tell by the contempt in your voice yeah that you're, not, you're not thrilled I, you know i'm it's stifling a little bit you know, it's a little <laughs> bit too uh stifling but we find a space on campus and then we set up all the work we've done so far or all the work we want to share and then from like nine o'clock until three uh, there will be artists and residents that'll from e- every department that'll be wandering around and then talking to you about your work. Okay. And then from there, I mean, they will go, and then they don't. I don't know how it works. I haven't experienced it yet. But evidently, they go to your artist and residence, so they'll go to Elliot for me, and then tell them, tell him what they really thought about the work. Oh. <laughs> so then. So they talk to you. <laughs> yeah. And then they and then they. Say what they really think yeah. to your artists in residence. Yeah. That's an interesting process. It is interesting. It's interesting that they don't just come out right and say it, but maybe they yeah. need to decompress it, or they walk away and, like, check out this asshole, you know? <laughs> and then they'll talk to Elliot, and then you sit down with the artists in residence and get get the rundown. And then Elliot says, yeah. how do you think it went? I thought it went pretty well. Well, well they hated you. But yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> let me I've tell you what I heard. Yeah, let me tell you what I heard. Yeah. So how do you know when you're done at this school? <laughs> they, <laughs> they there's just, a graduation ceremony. <laughs> there's an outdoor amphitheater. That kind of surprises me, to be honest. That seems... Um, a little bit too mainstream. Yeah, exactly. It seems a little pedestrian for Cranbrook. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, it is a little pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they, I bet they're really, really like smarmy when they do it. Little, they do everything with a little bit of a sneer. Yeah. There's a lot of air quotes in their <laughs> commencement speeches. Every time Congrats. they give you your certificate, they go, here's your diploma. <laughs> like they're joking. <laughs> That'd be a fun way to go through a graduation. With top honors. <laughs> here's the class of 2012. And it's just a huge joke. Oh, I want to go to Cranbrook.
The terms independent artist and independent musician get thrown around so much that in most cases they're almost meaningless. More often than not, the word indie is used to describe an aesthetic rather than a philosophy or any kind of business plan. This isn't the case with the Minneapolis rap crew Doomtree. For the better part of a decade, they've been turning out one excellent album after another on their own label, Doomtree Records. They've gone from playing to half-empty bars to regularly selling out the venerable Minneapolis venue First Avenue, and they've embarked on successful national and international tours. I sat down with Dessa, one of Doomtree's five MCs and the label CEO, to talk about the business of being an independent artist, and about the emotionally restorative powers of whiskey, and about how a career in music can resemble a romantic comedy. I think the way that I look at like independent music is a lot like the way that I look at romance, which is there are these really pervasive myths about what success is going to look like. And on TV or in the movies, you see that there's very often like a, a fucked up protagonist saved by love. So it's kind of like somebody's either, you know, desperately lonely or somebody's, um, you know, running through girls, you know, different one every night, but can't seem to fall in love or somebody thinks they're no, and then they meet the right one and then everything changes, you know, and it wouldn't make good TV to find someone who's like healthy and balanced and funny and then meet someone who's also healthy and balanced and funny and they yeah. carry out. <laughs> yep. And um, just, yeah. You know, so yeah. similarly, I think in music, it's like for the first five or six years, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think all of us to some extent participated in this like hope and belief that there would be somebody in a suit who was going to come and save me mm-hmm. from my career. And, um, and we thought that might happen. You know, we got a couple of bites from big labels. And I remember the first time that happened, we were living kind of communally in this trash house in Uptown. And we still had an answering machine that probably provides like some time mm-hmm. frame reference. But there was a note on it that was like, hi, my name is so-and-so from Baby Grand Records, and I've heard some of the Doomtree music, and I'd like to see if we can take a meeting. And we were so, like, elated. I remember at midnight, all of us, I don't know if there was enough furniture or if we just wanted to be close to the machine, but pressing play again and again to listen <laughs> to it and waiting until the next guy got off work and say, come over right away, man. And then we'd all sit around the machine on our knees again and press play for him. And I remember Laser Beat going, oh, should I quit my job? And then POS, Steph going, no, man, wait for a second. And that was like five years ago, you know, six years ago. Well, and and that's interesting that even five years ago you were planning on that because it's always, it seemed to me um, from the beginning, it's always had this very um, propulsive feel to it where Mm -hmm. it's interesting that to me that even back then. There was a a desire for that. Well, it's like, you know, when you meet someone who's like, you know, I'm going to get my shit together so that, you know. The next relationship I'm in, like, has a shot. Like, I just want to, you know, it's when you're not looking that you find somebody. Well, if you're getting your shit together and, like, if you're good, if you're a complete person so that someone can come and make you whole, that's so disingenuine, you know? Mm. And I think, I think for us, too, for a while, it was like, we wanted it bad. We were willing to work hard for it, but assumed that it was like we were going to kind of carry this baton far and fast enough for someone more powerful to develop an interest in it. And right. then after years of doing that, it was kind of like, actually, I don't really want to hand this off. And that seems like that's coincided with the the uh, music industry just kind of falling apart anyway. The traditional structure has fallen apart at the same time that you guys were creating your own infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And there's so much like there's so many there's so much talk about that, and there's so much um, there's so many sound bites, and there's so many statistics. You know, a few this this year in 2011, the number one single for a while was um, was by a band called Cake. Or the number one album. Oh, oh, I heard about this. Did yep. you? Okay. And they sold forty-four thousand units. Yeah. Um, you know, which means forty-four thousand CDs or albums, I guess. Mm. You know, whether digitally or physically, that was what they sold. And that was enough to put them at number one on the Billboard charts. And just a few, you know, ten years ago, you have to had you, know, you had to move two million units yeah. to be on those same charts. So it really does evidence that. But for all the talk, and it it 
it did rile me up for a while. I was like, okay, well, it's crashing, it's crashing. I realized it doesn't fucking matter because I wasn't a part of that old guard anyway. Right, right. So it's like, um, it's like the, the world is burning down around you, but um, I don't know. We we just we didn't have enough stake in it, right, to be affected by it. But I think we all thought we were going to be affected by it just because there was so much doomsday talk. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of came from the people who had a lot to lose, totally. which were the people who were making money off the artists. Exactly. I think there's less money to be made, but there's, but that money is moving more directly towards artists. Right. So for me, I, I, I don't miss the good old days. You know, some right. of the some of the business dudes who I work with are more concerned about it because they have worked with bands who've been involved in that old model. But Doomtree doesn't sell very many records, but we don't go through a lot of middlemen. Mm-hmm. A lot of our sales happen straight from our website to the people who listen to us. Yeah. And if you're making eight bucks a disc instead of 92 cents a disc, you just don't have to sell as many discs to keep viable. Sure. And it feels really too. I mean, you know, we, we put little notes in for fans sometimes and, you know, mm-hmm. we sign the discs and if somebody doesn't get their disc and they write into Doomtree and say, Hey, I didn't get it. I'm the girl who writes back and says, sorry, man, what's your address again? We'll get it right. sorted out. And that's going to make uh, a lot more hardcore fans as well. So. People, people are going to be more devoted to the, to the group if they have a personal stake in it if they if they establish that personal relationship with them i think so too and part of that you know can sound um kind of conniving right oh i'm going to create this personal stake but i think at its core it's just it's authentic i give a fuck about products that i understand to be made by by friends or by independent entrepreneurs you know i go to today i drove the extra three blocks to the coffee shop Hmm. that i knew you know a couple couple of friends were running in and could use the extra three bucks sure. fair enough those those are good ladies you know i want to listen for them kind of curious what like what it means to to have the level of success that you're at now like what that looks like mm-hmm. i'll totally i'll answer that with a preamble and that one of the things that surprised me most watching doom tree develop was how much of a lag there was in um financial viability to to attaining a high profile which is to say i thought that people who were recognized in grocery stores would be able to live off their art. Mm. So when I, Steph, uh, whose name, whose rap name is POS, he was the first one of us to kind of work himself out of a day job. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time he ever got recognized, I happened to be with him and it was, uh, confusing and exciting and totally foreign to us. You know, we'd only played the biggest stages we'd played had, you know, 50 or 60 people at them. So we were walking to the grocery store, a big group of the doom tree dudes and somebody at a balcony above us, you know, Hey, I know you. And, um, and we looked at, he seemed to be looking at steps. So we looked at him and I think that I, like the rest of the dudes thought maybe we were going to get into a fight cause you know, yeah. I know you, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was my girlfriend or whatever, yeah, you yeah. know? And then he said, you know, I saw your show. Good job. And, um, and we just like, we're morons, you know, like high fiving and congratulating <laughs> each other all the way down the block. It was so exciting. And then, you know, he's, he's recognized in, in lots of States now, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, he, he does European tours and Australian tours and stuff and is a uh, is pretty recently worked himself out of a job you know maybe the, maybe the past two or three years so that's a good chunk of time the most then I worked myself out of a job knocking on wood at um at the beginning of last year so 12 months ago what I mean, what is a work week like for you? Like, mm-hmm. what, are you what are you doing? What are your work days consist of? Mm-hmm. I would say you're right. I don't perform more than once a week, usually. Okay. But when you do perform, you're on stage for, like you said, maybe between 45 minutes and 70 minutes for me. Um, 
but you're usually at the club for eight hours that day. Really? Yes. Yeah, so you get in early to load all your gear, and then uh, I'm, and then you sound check. You know, making sure that all the instruments sound as they should. And then um, you've usually got only four hours between when you finish that and when the first band goes on. Okay. You know, so door, so you turn in your guest list and you make sure that you have your last minute promotional messages out there. So you update Facebook, at the club, set it to play, same mm-hmm. thing for Twitter. Your friends who told you specifically that they did not need guest spots text you at all the same time, you yeah, know, yeah. To, to renege their promises and then you correct the list. Um, and then you're kind of busy with the logistics after it. So you're at the club for a good long stretch. Um, when I'm not performing, I, I write a lot of emails. I did the iPhone thing and it was a game changer for me because I, I increasingly, I pull over a lot while I'm running errands and spend some time in my car answering the urgent emails, um, and then carry on about my day. So I don't have like an office that isn't my home that I go to. Okay. And uh, neither does Doomtree. Yeah. So the, the work that we do very often happens on the fly and, um, part of, Part of trying to make this lifestyle from work for me has been to figure out a way to be responsive on the fly, which means I've got some really cool friends. If I say, forgive me, I got to run into the bathroom where it's quiet to have a 20 minute conference call. Mm. They're like, cool. And what are those, who are those conference calls with? So three times a week, Doomtree gets together. The, the, the people who are shouldering most of the business responsibilities get together either at Sims's house where we meet around the kitchen table there um, or we all get on the phone at the same time. We just hired a couple of managers to provide some guidance. So okay. they live in different states, and so the conference calls are the easiest way to kind of make sure all the moving parts are moving in something like sync. Um, and so the kinds of things we might talk about are, let's say, that our last conference call, which was um, on last Tuesday, it was we're talking a lot about the Sims record. So one of the dudes in Doomtree, Sims, has a new record coming out, and there's a lot of... A lot of putting out a record is trying to um, condense all the momentum that it's going to get onto a single day or a single week. Mm. So we're trying to think, okay, what can we do to get everybody interested about this record on one day? And the reason you want it on one day is because then if everybody buys it on that one day from iTunes, then you'll be really high in the iTunes charts for one day, which means maybe you'll be on the homepage for iTunes in their rap section. Then all of a sudden you get a much bigger audience because you okay. were able to turn all the magnets on a single point to try to build a, sure. build a fire. And there's an ignition point. So we're thinking, okay, we've got a couple of music videos. One we're really excited about. One that we're still getting used to the aesthetic of. One that's already out. Okay. And we've got some songs we haven't released yet. Um, we've got some some footage we've just been taking of Sims following him around as he's freaking out in his disappointment and elation about how the sales are going so far. What are all the things that we can do to try to get everybody interested on February 15th? And we're also saying how many tickets are sold to his release show? How do we get those numbers up? How do we garner interest here in the Twin Cities for people to go to his concert? What are his pre-orders? He did some great pre-orders this time around. Cool. Um, so we all went to Sims's house and they, we sat for two hours stuffing envelopes and, Sims signed his discs and Magic Marker and Laser Beak did too because he made the records and the reporters I knew who had covered my disc I wrote them little notes in Sharpie on the outside of the envelopes you know for some promotional copy saying hey Greg um, I know you dug my disc thank you so much for the support as you know it means a lot to us indie cats because we can't afford to take out ads uh, here's the newest one from Doomtree I hope you dig it Tessa so it's it sounds like it's a lot of doing the the things that you love and then doing a lot of chore type things yeah, as well the, to, to make it to make it make sure that it gets to the most fun people i'd say it's maybe um half and half operations versus planning so it's like getting to the right people chores stuff in envelopes and stuff the operations of it that's kind of mindless there's probably yeah. half the effort and then i'm booked right the, today is uh is mid-february is a day mid-february i'm booked till maybe june but after that you know i want to drum up some new shows because that's usually how I pay rent and because that's the best part of the, the gig. So I'm trying to think what has recently happened that was kind of cool that I can leverage while it's still interesting into a next opportunity. So I did a, a hour long like TV special that airs on March 27th. So I'm thinking okay. I've Airs, only got, where's that going to air? It's on a TPT. So it's like just Twin Cities Public. Okay. But I'm trying to think, is there anybody who I can contact before that airs? to convince them to work with me so that they can watch it on TV. Cause after it's aired, it's going to start fading into the timeline. Yeah. So I really want to maybe be on like 
like um prairie home companion i think mm. it'd be fun to do a like a lot of a harmony piece there so i'm trying to think okay yeah. how can i figure out how can i get the fact that i'm going to be on tv into garrison keeler's hands how can i get him in front of a tv on the 27th of 10 um or his decision makers you know so there's yeah. that kind of trying to figure out ways to leapfrog yourself into the positions you're trying to be do you ever imagine what it would have been like had you um, had you gone with whatever label five six years ago? How do you think Doomtree would have looked and sounded now um, compared I think we to might how come you... apart? I think we might have come apart. I don't know that. I, I haven't I haven't thought about that that much. I think I'd still have a job um, that I was working days because I I wouldn't be getting as much money per album sold, and I haven't sold that many albums. You know. As is, I'm, I'm really comfortably lower middle class, and I love it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I would be if, if there was a label who was taking three or four bucks a disc. So that would be one thing. I'd still be working, which means I probably wouldn't be touring, mm-hmm. which means that I probably would be a year behind in my career because I would have only had Minneapolis and surrounding areas to work, whereas mm-hmm. when you don't have a job, you can go on the road and try to see how you fare in other markets. Yeah, And then Doomtree has been held together by... Money, sure. Music, sure. But like, you know, there have been a couple of like pivotal hard nights where it's us with a bottle, you know, really late. And um, music can be really heartbreaking. And we happen to have, you know, six best friends in it. So when you get slammed and you will get slammed, there's, you know, motherfuckers with a bottle of whiskey to tell you, keep doing this and resist the temptation to get a day job. Mind your step, I keep the overhead low Just the bed and the books and the rotary phone Chicago manual of style keeps the prose right Crisp Minneapolis edition, well it goes like this Well I talk way too fast, I shoot from a glass I keep hope in the glove box, plath on the dash And there's nobody shotgun, I got enough gas To get Vegas by daybreak, I'm not coming back I'm pushing this life all the way to the coast I'm throwing it over just to see if it floats I'm taking my chances so I had this idea for a segment called Fix Me, in which I would talk to family members and friends who've known me for a long time about how I could maybe be doing things differently in my life to become a better person. Um, on paper, it seemed like a fun and hopefully compelling exercise. The first person I thought of when I came up with the segment idea was my ex-girlfriend, Jess. Um, she's honest, she's smart, and she's articulate. And maybe most importantly to me, she's a very kind person, so I knew that she also wouldn't say anything to me that was intentionally hurtful. Um, Jess and I dated for several months a few years ago, and at the time we lived about 200 miles away from each other, and while our romantic relationship obviously didn't pan out, we've remained good friends since then. Um, I'll be honest with you, this conversation got a little rough for me, and um, against all my, my impulses... And despite what um, what I said during the conversation with Jess, I, I really didn't do much, too much editing here at all. So um, all of the most embarrassing stuff is still in there, uh, for better or worse. Um, so here's the first installment of Fix Me. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I certainly did not. And what we and so we dated for um, a few months or something. Yeah. I, and I would say a brief but successful relationship. I think I, so. I think so. Mm-hmm. Just starting off generally, um, considering the um, what could I have done better? Considering with, like with the understanding, mm-hmm. we both consider this a successful, yes, romantic situation, mm-hmm. if short lived. But there's always we can always do things better. What what could I have done better generally? And then we'll get into 
Maybe specific examples. <clears throat> well, you know, it being um, it being said that your very first move was fairly fairly ballsy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Um, I think you took that momentum and ran with that. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to go ballsy. I'm just going to okay. go with that. Okay. Um, and I, like, I, I felt like uh, like you were just kind of making some bold moves. Okay. You know? Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I kind of, I had assumed. I was like, you know, he lives, like, as far as I was concerned, as I, did I even own a car no, at that you didn't. point? I did not. I did not own a car, so you may as well have been in a different country. So I just figured it would have, you know, moved a little bit more slowly. Um, And maybe, you know, at that time in my life, that's probably what I wanted anyway, something moving a little bit more slowly. But it did not move slowly. No, no, no. I would agree with that. I think that's fair. Yeah. So specifically, and we have talked about this a little bit before, before, Mm -hmm. but let's... Let's get into this one specific... The, the one specific... Slightly embarrassing example. <laughs> specific move. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't even know at what point this happened. Like, when it happened. After what date? Or I don't even remember. Let's just say early. I remember it was, like pretty, it was early, obviously. pretty early. Because, because I was taken aback a little bit. Okay. Um, in the mail... <laughs> well, wait, wait, we should back up, though, and say, back up. Um, prior to this, I, um, you had, you, yes. had, you had commented that you were a fan of the Robin Williams. Robin Williams Live on Broadway. Yeah, so you were a fan of, of I this. thought it was hilarious. Yep, and I, um. You made fun of it before I even told you that I liked it. Yes, and so, and, and, and I'll say this: I that's pretty obnoxious. It's a, it's it's an obnoxious, snobby thing to make fun of someone's comedy taste. But right. So anyway. although to be fair, the the Robin Williams live on Broadway is also obnoxious. Okay. So, so yeah. so I had made fun of you for liking this, and yeah. then, um, but and at that point, you had already, or you you had also. Um, Suggested the movie the Sweeney Todd, the Johnny Depp one. Yes, and and talked about how much you liked that. Yeah, so, I did. Okay, yeah. so okay, so that said, so you check the mail. Check the mail, and I have I got something from you, and I'm like, this is this is weird. Okay, open it. Two DVDs, homemade, bootlegged, <laughs> bootlegged, bootlegged, bootlegged. Um, one of Sweeney Todd. Uh, one of Robin Williams' Live on Broadway. <laughs> and you had notes on them. Okay. I don't remember the notes. Notes on I don't them. Remember what the... I still have the DVDs. I'm going to take them out. <laughs> this is, um... <laughs> no, but yes, probably for the segment. We should probably <laughs> we should probably incorporate this. But, but hey, I kept them, though. Okay. Okay. Let's... So that's... Okay. Let's look at the notes. <laughs> embarrassing than we thought it was going to be. Well, I don't, I don't know why it would be embarrassing for you. But... <laughs> okay. Do you okay. want me to read it, or do you want to read it? Um, <laughs> uh, why don't, yeah, why don't you read it? Okay. Um, Which DVD is this? This one is Sweeney Todd. Okay. I, can, I might just, this could just be edited out. Yeah, So it's true. Okay. It be edited out. Okay. This one says... This is Sweeney Todd? Yes. For turning me on to an excellent movie. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. Which I was like, hmm, turning me on to an excellent movie. Oh, interesting. That, okay. that was an interesting choice of words, I thought. Okay. I'm like, hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. And this one is worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one? The Sweeney Todd one was all right. Um, this one says, <clears throat> this is the Robin Williams. Um, for kissing me at, even oh. after I made fun of something you like. Well. Which. The gesture was very sweet. <laughs> I enjoyed okay. the gesture. Okay. But I was like, whoa. 
Too soon. Too soon. It's fair. That's fair enough. <laughs> it was too soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The... I forgot that I wrote anything, which I guess it would make sense, because it would be even weirder if I had put... <laughs> Put them in just without without anything. without anything on it. But that kind of took me back because that's not. <laughs> um, okay, so okay. So um, so that and that was so. I mean, that I guess just is kind of um, just a good example of maybe just things moving a little bit too quickly. Mm -hmm. So like you said, and we've talked about this a little bit more. So I've had like, kind of time to think about it and kind of. Um, uh, think about maybe where I was at, and obviously, and and th this isn't a justification, but it's just like a, a reflecting on where I was, and it, just like you said, um, you know, you maybe weren't as, uh, or you you weren't ready for, you know, for something to move um, that quickly at that mm -hmm. time. I think I at the time I didn't even know how to date because I I had just gotten out of um, of long relationship. That wasn't especially healthy, and at that, but one that I thought was going to be the last relationship that I, I had ever been in. So I think, um, I think I probably at the time didn't even didn't I mean really didn't know what I was doing and didn't know, and was kind of flailing about, and I probably didn't know how to date casually at mm -hmm. all. So, um, like I said, it's not a defensive mechanism, but or def well maybe it is a defensive mechanism, but I'm not trying to be <laughs> defensive <laughs> when I when I say that. <laughs> But it so, but it, it's also interesting to me now because I also feel like I have possibly overcorrected on that front, and I, uh. because you know recently I worry that I um, that I go too far the other way. Like I I don't give recently, things a chance. Recently, like since the last time we talked about, <laughs> did I damage you? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Since. <laughs> I, I after after talking to you about it, I kind of um, during I, this I, incredibly self deprecating podcast. Yeah, I've been thinking. <laughs> I've been thinking just recently about um, yeah uh, about kind of where I'm at now as opposed to where I was then. And although you, you always like to think that you're healthier, you're better off. I also I wonder if I'm just maybe just uh, sick in a different way. That's not the right word. Sick. Not sick, but uh, like I said, maybe I'm overcorrecting right. for these tendencies because I kind of feel like now I bail at the if if something if I if there's like a whiff of anything that I feel is a little bit off, then I'm just done and I don't really give it a chance. Hmm. And I don't know if that's better or not, but it's something. I, yeah. I think you need to strike a balance. I know. Either way. Strike a balance. Moderation is needed in either of these cases. Moderation in all cases, mostly, you know. So, okay. So let's... Now let's think back about what I could have done differently. Let's workshop this scenario. Okay. Because, like you said, you said before, the, you appreciated the gesture. Yeah. yeah. The idea of me sending you something, maybe? Was that okay? Like getting um. something... Because part of where I was coming from is being 200 miles away, I thought, what can I offer her to keep her attention? Right. Fun things in the mail. Because that would be weird if I was in in town sent mailing you things. That would be even creepier, right? Yeah, that would be a little weird. So. <clears throat> I'm not totally sure. and You know, like the the DVDs, I think, later on. Okay. Like, if it had been later in the relationship, though, that would have been good. I'm trying to think of what would have been okay to send in the mail. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. Because I just remember standard. at the time um, feeling like I, I needed kind of like flailing to get your attention or to, ma to maintain your attention being so far away. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a source of anxiety for me at the time. I was pretty insecure and feeling like, um, you know, feeling like I had, had gotten away with something by, by getting you to date me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like I really needed to do something to, to keep your attention. Right. Right. But then when you're doing that, then you're like drawing attention to your insecurity, 
you know? Yeah. And that's probably, more than anything, probably what made me uncomfortable about it. You know, it was mm. like, yeah, it's too soon, but it's like, why, why does it feel weird? Oh, it's because he's like, he's feeling scared. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Definitely they shouldn't have been bootlegged, though. No. Right? That's That in itself. That, I don't know what I was thinking with that, because that's not a classy move at all. Right. I wouldn't have written those notes. No. I'm cutting I'm cutting the notes out of the... There's no way. <laughs> there's no way that I'm going to put those on the show. That is far beyond anything that I am prepared for. Okay. That's fair. It's a little bit rougher this time than the last time we talked about this. It's well, a little bit we, more difficult for me. You know, we were drunk last time we talked. It's true. This is too sober. Maybe <laughs> we're too We're way sober. too sober. That's why I was trying to like... But the only liquor I have in my house apparently is Kahlua, and that's not getting us drunk at all. No. <laughs> well, closing thoughts. <laughs> closing thoughts on this. Um... <laughs> What we, you know, I don't know what the solution is for this one, frankly, because like I said, I feel like it's not, it's a little bit, um, you know, I'm in a different place now. Mm -hmm. I would like to think it's a better place, but who knows? Like I said, it might be, might just be different or it might just be a different kind of bad. Well, I think you think about it too much. Now even? Yeah. Either way, I think you're thinking about it too much. Okay. That could be a theme, possibly. <laughs> to, that could to, be a theme. To my life. Yeah. Thinking about it way too much. Don't worry about it so much. Oh, well, okay. I, I totally understand the worrying. I'm yeah. a worrier. I get it. Are you saying don't worry about... Um, don't just worry relationship if, stuff or no, just no, 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 no. I mean, relationships have have worries, maybe justifiably. But I think you worry about your how you present yourself and how others see you. Okay. I think you know, and a certain amount of that is healthy. But, I mean, you, you know, in either of the instances that you're talking about, whether you're, you know, coming on too strongly or you're backing off way too much, you're worrying about how you're presenting to others. Hmm. Okay. Or is there some other hidden fear in there that I don't know about? I don't know, but I feel like this entire concept of this segment might be symptomatic of that, that entire <laughs> issue. I don't know what you've been told But I don't get out much these days Waking young and feeling old The days are no longer my own To piss away the waking hours But don't, 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 don't let them go Don't, 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 don't let This has been the Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour, and I've been Brian Bieber. Big thanks to Kyle Muchkinaus for tolerating my snarky comments about his academic career. You can check out Kyle's really fantastic work at kylem.com. That spells uh, K-I-E-L-M dot com. It's a non-standard spelling for Kyle's first name. And, uh, and probably a non-standard pronunciation of his last name by me. He's, he's one of my best friends, but I'm not entirely sure how to say his last name correctly. So, I'm sorry about that, buddy. Um, and I'm also kind of sorry for you in general that you have such a monster of a name to deal with. I, I can't even imagine what it was like for you filling out all those standardized test forms in grade school. Big thanks also to Dessa from Doomtree. Go to doomtree.net to get information about upcoming shows and to buy records and a bunch of other cool stuff from them. 
Um, if you say Ghosts and Horses sent you, I bet Dessa will even write a special message on your invoice or something. Um, and that's not something she's agreed to do, by the way. That's just that's just something I thought of right now. But I bet, but I think she'll probably do it. We've known each other for a long time, and she's got she's got a pretty good sense of humor. So just say Ghosts and Horses sent you, and and she'll write uh, just like a special little note for you. I'm sorry, Dessa. Thanks also to my ex-girlfriend and current friend Jess for her candor and her patience and uh, for not holding those bootleg DVDs against me. Thanks also to Eminem's 8 Mile Foundation, a non-profit organization dedicated to the development of the arts in the Detroit area. He's scared to death, he's scared to look at his fucking yearbook! Fuck Cranbrook! You heard music in this episode from Dan Mangan, as well as the aforementioned Dessa of Doomtree. Interstitial music was provided by DJ Absolute of Soul Crate Music. You can check out Soul Crate at soulcratemusic.com. The Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour theme is Made Up of Tiny Lights by We All Have Hooks for Hands from their album The Shape of Energy. Go to weallhavehooksforhands.net to get information about their new record, which is, I think, coming out in the spring of 2011. The Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour logo was designed by Christy Corver. You can check out more of her work at christycorver.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-K-O-R-V-E-R.com. That's, an, that's another non-standard spelling um, for Christie's Christie's name as well as Kyle's. So, come on, guys. Let's give everyone a break with this. Um, our announcer is Ms. Steph Ayers. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes. Um, and if you like the show, be sure to write a nice review in the iTunes store. If you didn't like the show, um, please don't bother to write a review. Um, I don't know why you would do that, unless you're some kind of jerk, but don't do it. You can also download or listen to individual episodes directly from ghostsandhorses.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the email list, and I'll send you relatively well-formatted emails about once a month. If you'd like, you can email me directly at ghostsandhorses at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Ghosts and Horses Radio Hour. Awkward subjects, comfortably discussed. a good way to hook people is uh, you start off with something something a little bit suggestive mm-hmm. and don't even put it in until the end so maybe you just take it out of context put it right away at the beginning